Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Bunker. Pull down the blinds and encrypt your comms. Our fearless leader is on lockdown and back in his bunker after a long hiatus. He's providing his thoughts on the UFC, the state of MMA business, incriminating rumors, and the latest spicy headlines. Complete with the MMA tete-a-tete, featuring interviews with guests from the MMA community. Pay Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content if available at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, Kid Nate Wilcox. Hola, MMA connoisseurs. This is Kid Nate of Bloody Elbow, and I've got a special guest today. This is a very, very hard get for us. This is, you know, we've had controversial dealings with this guy for years, but when I managed to blackmail him into coming on the show, we've got John S. Nash on the show. John, welcome. Did you, did you say connoisseurs? Or I did say connoisseurs. Connoisseurs. Okay. okay. Is, that, is that the regional dialect you have? <laughs> it must be. Must okay. be. Just, just making sure. Yes, I speak well, BBC English. Um, well, you know. yeah, I, they court ordered me to be on today. So that's the only reason I, I made it. That was part of my so – someone had an in with the judge and set me up. Excellent. Well, we had to do what we had to do. But I brought you here because last week or maybe the week before, Ariel Hawani, free associate on his show, answered a question on his show about rumors that PFL – is in talks to buy Bellator, and they're not the only ones. Initial thoughts on this? You want to give a quick summary of what Hawani said and then what other people said to counter well, said? Well, I can't, I can't, yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what Hawani said. I just remember that I saw a, a, a Jedi Goodman who does a recap. So I see used most of Hawani stuff on Jedi Twitter. I can't The MMA hours, what is it, five hours now, eight hours show? Something I like I don't, that. I don't, I don't think I have time to watch it. But Jedi Goodman does a good job of pulling out the key components. And I saw a clip him talking about it. And I think his – I can't – I'm going to paraphrase because I can't remember specifically uh, that he said that PFL was in talks to talk – to, was in talks to purchase – Bellator, but they were. It's not likely that someone else was going to purchase them. Uh, and this is a rumor that's been going on since the start of the year. It's not really a rumor. It's, it's. I, you know, I've talked to the parties. There's, there's discussions going on for Bellator to be sold and acquired. So, but it, the, the, the rumored part is what's going on. You know, who's the, who's in the lead and stuff like that. Yeah, and so. To, to recap, essentially, Hawani said that PFL, who has just signed the lineal heavy, MMA heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou, although they have yet to book any kind of fight for him, and they're talking about booking a boxing match for him first. But they, according to Hawani, they had looked at buying Bellator last year, but are now looking again because there's potential new investment in PFL that might want to buy at Bellator. Before we talk about the other people that might be buying Bellator, any speculation on who this investor might be that would be investing in PFL? They'd be coming from a certain region of the world, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, there's multiple parties. It's going to be from the Middle East. There's multiple parties in the Middle East. It's my understanding that they're talking to a bunch of the sovereign funds over there, the, you know, the, the, the 
the different Middle East companies that are you know, that represent the sovereign kingdoms, the various kingdoms there. So it's not just one. It's not like PFI. It's not just the Saudi Arabian sovereign fund or the United Arab Emirates or Dubai or you know. Quote, I, I, apparently, these all the fun, all the money in the Middle East, all of them are looking to get into sports, and people know it. It's turned into a gold rush. Everybody's out there, hand you know, hat in hand, trying to get money. I am, I am, I know one championship is out there. Group One Holdings is out there trying to get more money because they've spent and they're the they most have. popular sports entity in the history of time and space, right? Oh yeah, so they're obviously at the very top of the list. Uh, valuation of ten billion, I believe now. So they will, I'm sure they'll raise some money. No, I. But they're out there trying to get money. They're they're talking to the same people probably uh, that PFL Professional Fighters League is talking to. So they're, but the the word is that the Qatari the Qataris are one. Uh, the the Saudis are another possibility. In other words, there's several parties that they're in discussion and they are looking to get hundreds of millions of dollars invested. So there should be there. I mean, it sounds like it's a done deal and we should get an announcement soon on, on that front. On so, the PFL getting investment. The, from the PFL getting additional investor money. So, uh, and I think it's going to go hand in hand because I, I, the PFL is everybody. The I've professional talked, fighters league, the professional the fighters league, the ones that signed the uh, France and Ganu, uh, they're they're not going to be booking a box. They're not trying to get him a boxing match. It's France has the right uh, to go get a boxing on his own, and he's going to do that first. So, but uh, they're they're not going to. They my understanding is they themselves are not going to acquire a Bellator. The asking price for Bellator was too high for them. Uh, that there were other one people in it that uh, that were in the lead. But what makes PFL still the likely end game of Bellator is. These sovereign funds, the the investor money they're getting from the Middle East, because it seems likely the likeliest path seems to be that that whoever invests millions into uh, PFL is going to be the person that acquires Bellator, and then we'll just merge them. Yeah, that makes the most sense. But why would they invest in PFL and then let PFL buy Bellator rather than buying PFL and buying Bellator? Well, I think that's what that's right. I think they will buy Bellator. This other entity would be the one that would buy Bellator first, the Middle Eastern entity. Then they would merge them with PFL instead of just giving PFL the money because then yeah. it would be, there's there would be they have a larger stake in it. They would have more that's control and stuff. So majority shareholder and in fact they, they might end up being the acquiring both of them at that point i i don't i don't know i'm not on the inner work i'm not sitting with don davis going over how they're going to do this but it's uh yeah yeah but there's there's money he's just asking you a couple times a week right like yes he's like i'm on speed dial with those guys so okay. but but there is it, it's a, it's shocking how much saudi money in fact you can uh, an interesting interview freakonomics did an interview with ari emmanuel a few weeks back uh, it means yeah. talked about it. And uh, it's it's interesting because he has a comment where he talks about everybody might remember Endeavor had the Saudis had invested four hundred million dollars in Endeavor several years back. And after the Khashoggi murders, assassination, torture killings, whatever you want to call them. Murder. They get, you can only yeah. kill a guy once. Yes. Uh, they 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 gave that money back. They they publicly, you know, gave their investment back, cut tie, cut ties, and air quotes there. Uh, but now, even in that interview, and he's, you know, he's like, well, every country does bad stuff, and you know, he he's backtracking from that. It's it seems very obvious, like there's the Saudis are ready to put like thirty billion into sports and entertainment. They want their hand on that in in that pie too, and yeah. so Endeavor's going to be looking to get uh, somehow get a piece of that as well. 
Sheesh. I mean, everybody, it's good that we've been able to get past the whole putting a Washington Post reporter in a wood chipper thing, though. I mean, it's good that the billionaires can come together and put this ugliness behind them. It's torn, yeah. torn the wealthy world apart for far too long. What, what's fascinating to me is it's, it reminds me of, you know, how everybody was so gung-ho to go to China 10 years ago. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Everything was China, China, China. We got to get into China. And then, you know, we started having trade wars with them and people started realizing the Chinese government, you know, they basically steal your intellectual property and then read, you know. Then Allegedly. Read Let's yeah. not be, you know, yeah. who, who stole what from who. Wait, are yeah. we expanding into China yet? And uh, <laughs> Bloody Elbow, is that, <laughs> we have a, plans there? Because uh, I can, I can, we can change this. We can edit it if we have to. Well, this is, this is a, a side point, but I just heard yesterday that Raytheon is saying that we can't uh, go to war with China because they have too many of their sub-manufacturers there. So Somebody needed to look, think, do the yeah. math on that before we actually start a war with China and discover they actually manufacture our bombs. I, but I mean, that, yeah, that's the, I mean that was that's been a major talking point for anybody that follows like uh, monopoly and industrial policy and all that stuff. That's a major talking point. It's like we we manufacture way too much key component in a country that could possibly be an opposing country. Yeah, well, a country that we are literally trying to start a war with. So, but that's that's a side point. Let's get back to, to, to this. So we've got multiple Middle East players who may be investing in PFL and or buying both PFL and Bellator to merge them. I guess we should, should start with this. If PFL and Bellator were combined, that actually kind of instantly becomes a pretty... I mean, a semi-credible threat to the UFC because you've got the lineal heavyweight champion and you've got a pretty deep roster that has, if MMA were ranked fairly or ranked at all, though, you would have multiple top 10 fighters. I wouldn't say many top five fighters in Bellator, but multiple people that, you know, that should be in the top 10 in their weight classes, right? Well, I wouldn't say, I don't think it's going to be a true competitor. If this was like boxing and you had a mandatory challengers, then it's like, oh wow, this really changes the game because the 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 titles would be up, they'd be up for bidding because you would have Bellator with the Bellator uh, roster, which is the only roster that has a sizable number of top ten fighters outside the UFC. Not nearly as many of the UFC, but if you look at all the independent rankings and stuff, they're the only one that has you know multiple multiple contenders to be to be in the top ten in their weight classes or even towards the, the number one that Bellator would have all these fighters that if there's mandatories like in boxing that they could get, they could position guys to get the mandatory titles, maybe win them and then say, Hey, look, we have the, the heavyweight champion, the light heavyweight champion, the, 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 the featherweight champion, but we don't have that. We have isolated siloed. The, the, the promoters own their own titles. And because of that, it's the Bellator, even the merger of Bellator and PFL it's not going to really change the landscape that much. I think it's going to bring some attention and excitement, but it's not going to create a real rival to, to the UFC. In fact, I'm positive that the, and I'm positive, I think these guys steal some of the, they, they stole uh, something that I, I quote all the time for me and their, and some of their business pitches is they're not looking to these, these promotions, one championship PFL, they're not looking to make a true rival to the UFC what they're looking for is they're looking to make a Pepsi Cola, the UFC's Coca-Cola. They, they're looking like we, their whole pitch is we can build a big enough promotion on its own that can, they can get a piece of this MMA market big enough that it's worthwhile. But we are not, you know, the UFC, we are not going to challenge the UFC's dominance of the market. We're just going to get a piece of it. 
Yeah, they're going to leave that challenge to whoever gets to promote uh, Mark Zuckerberg versus Elon Musk in a cage. That'll be the true uh, challenger to the UFC, I think. But back to the thing. So we've got we've got a constellation of Arab money interests, national sovereign funds that are talking seriously about getting into sports. And and what probability do you think there is that they will actually put money into PFL and or Bellator? I mean, it sounds very strong they're going to put it into PFL. Very, very strong. I mean, the, okay. uh, and so Don th Davis has been at these Qatari things. It's It sounds like uh, Dana White said he thought it was, heard it was a done deal or something. I think he said a while ago. But it sounds like it's, a, it's close to a done deal, that they're just, you know, they've been talking to people. Of course, they could. And so that essentially a, means that. Sorry to interrupt. That we'll have PFL for the next five, ten years for sure. Yeah, they'll have if if they if this actually goes through. The 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 problem with MMA, like all these all these start these companies act like startups as they are. They do talk a lot. You know, what I mean, behind even behind the scenes, yeah. they talk a lot. They boast a lot about stuff that might. So, from all accounts, it sounds like it's a done deal. But who knows if they're just saying that to get other investors to think it's a done deal. Yeah. That's well, that's you know. the only caveat I have, but I do think it's I think it's likely done deal. But they'll be they'll have the runway to last. The problem is at what point do they start making money because they're not yeah. making money? One championship's not making money. No one's even yeah. Bellator is no longer making money. Bellator was the one successful MMA promotion outside the UFC for a while. They're back ever since they lost their own deal and got put on Showtime. They're back to being a, I think a money losing operation. And they're still owned by Paramount, correct? Yeah, Paramount's. Uh, they're under Paramount. Yeah. Paramount. And the talk for a while was that Paramount, that Belter wasn't even going to get sold completely, that they're going to take on a partner who's going to buy a large share. And I think the part of the reason was because the asking price that they wanted, the valuation was so high, they didn't think someone could buy the whole thing. But with, you know, when you're talking about Middle Eastern money, it's like, well, that's the asking price doesn't seem to be a problem for those guys. <laughs> the Beverly Hillbillies just rolled into town and their pockets are bulging. So everybody's. Uh... Everybody's prices. That is a, that is a comparison I've heard for decades, and it seems very apt. Yes, and and so, but so Paramount is also in a weak spot because they are in what eighth place in the streaming wars, fifteenth place, seventh place, fourth. They're not they're, in the winner's circle. They're not. They're way down, and they they're losing a lot of money, and they're making across the board cuts in the the their. Their finances. In fact, uh, I mean, behind the scenes, Bellator took big cuts. Everything had to take cuts. They've taken cuts to Bellator. You didn't see much promotion of their their latest U Bellator 297. Yeah. But yeah. It, it was did, a great card. Yeah, and it did well for them, actually. It did better than their usual, did much, much better than their typical card, but shows you that fans want to see the best fighters. And when you put a bunch of good fighters out there, more will show up. But they, they, they're cutting the boxing budget, supposedly cut too. The one thing about boxing, is they've now pivoted and they've, they're putting on huge pay-per-views. So even though the Showtime boxing budget supposedly got cut, so they don't have the money to put on all these as many show big Showtime fights, they are you know they're getting Ryan Garcia versus Tank Davis. Now they got Crawford Spence. It looks like they're going to get Charlo uh, Canelo. So they're they're just putting on a string of massive boxing events on pay-per-view to make up for the fact that they can't put them on Showtime. Yeah, but they're looking to get out of the MMA business via Bellator. And the, let's talk about the other two contenders that have been discussed as potential um, Bellator purchasers. Do you want to talk about the Khan family or Liberty Media first? Well, those are the two that uh, that that um, uh, that uh, Hawani oh, brought up. Man, I, I, yeah. 
Right, I couldn't remember. That guy's not that well known in MMA, so he's kind of a he's a new figure. kid, yeah. Yeah, so but yeah. Uh, he brought up the other ones I heard up though too is is, is a lot of its investments. Uh, the hedge funds have been the other leading, uh, not well, investment firms. You know, like uh, uh, so not these are not this specifically, but some like Silver Lake and stuff, where it's an investment company firm. So that's the other possibility. But uh, Liberty Media is a major media company. Uh, they actually, they, they used to own some uh, properties here in Hollywood. They took over a bunch of these online facilities in the late 90s, early 2000s and ran them into the ground. Good job, guys. Uh, yeah. But they, but they also own uh, a Formula One. And so this seems like, and they look like they want to acquire more sports properties that they can air on their their networks and stuff, their, their media properties. So this, it does sound like uh, it makes some sense for them. Yeah, they own Formula One and the Atlanta Braves. It's run by John C. Malone with Greg Maffey as the top, I guess, the CEO. And John C. Malone has been a powerhouse in cable since the birth of the cable industry. And he's just continued to acquire properties that whole time. What about the Khan family? I mean, it's a Pakistani uh, businessman, Shahid Khan, his son, Tony. Like, he made his money in car parts and then bought the Jacksonville Jaguars, what, 50? 15 years ago, 20 years ago? Something like that. I can't remember the exact, but yeah, he owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. His son, then he gave his son a bunch of money. 2012. Yeah. He bought him in 2012. So 11 years ago, and then gave his son a bunch of money to start his own pro wrestling promotion, which again, AEW. fits. it fits well with this because there's, you know, we all know there's a strong link between the pro wrestling fan base and the MMA fan base uh, and pro wrestling and MMA during all of its key years. There, there was a huge crossover for a time. So yeah, you, and there still is. Yeah, there, there's still much more than with boxing, I think. Yeah, so, I, I yeah. think you're, I think you're right about that. And and so yeah, this would be a very interesting thing because it could put the Khan family in control of the number two wrestling promotion and the number two MMA promotion, which would kind of set them up to just be like a big, hey, we're number two, like. Yeah, that, but the the one problem is in pro wrestling, the the be- benefit of pro wrestling is you spend the money, it's. Because it's scripted, it's not a real sport. I don't, don't want to break it to everybody, it's not, but wait. it's not, not not real. This is it's still the, real to me, damn it. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna shoot right now, but it's not real. Uh, and so you can orchestrate storylines to make guys stars to be the best in the world, right? Yeah. Pro MMA is like boxing. It's it's a it's it's a spectacle, but it also has a sporting aspect that people really fight for real. And so you can't just declare your guy the best. You know, you can't just say we have the best. Everybody's going to go, well, yeah, they have the best. You need to prove it. And you can't prove it if all the best, the guys that everybody assume are the best, are locked into the UFC. And so I think yeah. this, when people look at it and say, oh, they can do what they did with AEW, and a lot of people say that, that the, the, the reason they have hope for PFLs, look what happened to AEW, it's it's not the same. You cannot just you cannot just put money and hire entertaining people and it'll become a product that people will seek out. You these guys have to somehow be shown to be as good as or better than some of the UFC fighters. And you can't do that unless you can get a hold of some of those UFC fighters. Uh, yes and no. I mean the <laughs> Clearly, there's an opportunity. There's a hunger for more spectacle than the UFC is providing, based on all the you know the success of Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, the success of KSI and Jake Paul's various celebrity boxing efforts. But what I think you've seen is that those sort of spectacle fights have to deliver actual quality fights. Like Jake Paul, if he wasn't getting Nate Diaz next, 
would be pretty much running out the string because he's not that good a fighter and it's not that fun to watch him fight. If he hadn't knocked out uh, uh, Woodley on, on the last second of his last fight, I think that might have killed his career just because that fight was so boring. But with the kind of cards the UFC is so frequently rolling out, <clears throat> I mean, it's getting to the point where it's two out of three fight night cards are obvious dreck that nobody wants to watch that actually do put on poor fights. And so... I think PFL has an opportunity. I mean, we saw the bare knuckle fighting championship pay-per-view, you know, with Chad Mendez and another of uh, other UFC veterans. I think that there's a lot of UFC veterans with names that they can sign easily. I mean, if these guys are fighting bare knuckle, they'll certainly fight PFL. You put together a couple events a, a year where they can clearly say, Hey, we've got more star power than the UFC that, and then there's some opportunity and they'll force the UFC then to actually stack some cards because they're doing kind of a combination of they either have a good headliner like Poya Gaichi or they have a whole card for the headliners like what we're seeing at 290 that's coming up in, on July 5th. Yeah, I, so I, don't, I don't think it works that way, though. I mean, you can do a couple spectacle fights and people will show up, but generally MMA has – I mean, I think we're it's distorted somewhat because people look at the UFC and they see these fight nights and they see the UFC getting this contracted revenue and they say, oh, it's – you know, it's just show after show just makes money. But even for the UFC, they're able to get that that guaranteed money across the board because they have select few massive events – that they can pool with the other ones and sell as a sell together as a package deal. The MMA, we can look in the past before they had that, as well as boxing, it's pushed by select few fighters drive all the revenue. And it still holds up that way. John Jones events are selling much more and Conor McGregor events are selling much more than, than the, I don't want to be mean, but Amanda Nunes, let's say right now, because she had a recent Well, event. sure, sure. We, but we clearly sell- saw that. That was brutal. Yeah, but they they sell, and but because the UFC has them together, all of them together, they can package it and then they can part partial out the payments so all of them get the same, kind of hiding who really pushes the revenue. And because of that, it's it's because it's driven by select few stars. You need those select few stars. Like 80% of the revenue with the interest and stuff is driven by just a handful of stars. Just like in boxing, you need to get a hold of those guys. Golden Boy. Yeah. Is a is going to be a nothing promoter because it lost Canelo and now going to lose Ryan Garcia. It's going to have no one, no major star to generate the interest and revenue. Uh, you so these other promotions are, that's what you need to to actually kind of compete with the UFC. And the problem is the UFC is designed to lock up those guys to make sure those select few fighters that can actually really move the needle. There's second tier guys that there's some interest in, but not the ones that really really move the needle. Lock those well, people up. Anybody get him? Let's look at Tapology's current biggest stars of MMA rankings. I don't know how they get this, but I'm willing to concede that they're they know what they're doing. I trust no, Tapology. I, I don't. I don't. I don't trust that. Tapology's fan base. So it's and it's a uh, it's the fan base is mostly UFC fans that tune in that. But anyways, we can use Tapology anyways. It's it's a good way to look at what how UFC fans view what the rankings are. Yeah. So this, so so what you're saying then is topology should favor UFC more so than than they the do. Free look market. at yeah, well look at topology yeah. Okay, fair enough. But, but let me run through this. So 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 okay, I'll concede your point that this is a UFC advantage list. Yeah. But but let's just run through the top ten here. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that. Go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com 
and subscribe today. Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Bunker. Pull down the blinds and encrypt your comms. Our fearless leader is on lockdown and back in his bunker after a long hiatus. He's providing his thoughts on the UFC, the state of MMA business, incriminating rumors, and the latest spicy headlines. Complete with the MMA tete-a-tete, featuring interviews with guests from the MMA community. Pay Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content if available at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, Kid Nate Wilcox.